Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Orange Power Half Hour. My name's Shelby Myers. I'm here, as always, with my dad, Shane Smithton. Um, and uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you see it, we're going to talk South Alabama OSU this past Saturday, final 33-7. to 7. Uh, Pretty gross, pretty disappointing. Um, I'll try to find a positive in there somewhere, but I'm coming up short. What do you got, Pops? In terms of positives? Well, uh, if you can find that, any, uh, I thought the, the Cowboys, weather, the weather I thought was the great. Cowboys, yeah. And the uniforms looked really cool. Yeah. Uniforms uh, were cool. Weather was good. We have our health. <laughs> yeah. Now we're, now we're really stretching that, you know, the, that's the one thing you can always count on the, the Cowboys to be, to be uh, a bunch of sharp dressed men, if nothing else. And sure. Uh, no, I mean, you know, we, we've all gotten a little bit spoiled maybe over the last 15 years or so with lots and lots of success. And um, and that we didn't get to didn't get to experience any on field success of any kind Saturday night. It was not only, a, you know, a loss, but it was a it was a, a dominating loss. We just yeah, got uh, whipped, um, you know, on both sides of the ball. And, and the game was really never never competitive, never close. Um, so there's, there's not a lot of, uh, things to get excited about. And I, I think, you know, I think fans as a whole, um, tend to have can, can tend to have overreactions to any one particular game. And I, I would say, even though I'm, I'm a fan myself, so it's probably hard for me to step back and, and look at it, um, you know, really from an independent standpoint, but, I think probably what has caused a lot of the fans to be um, as concerned as they are following Saturday night's game is, you know, we've talked about this before. Any any team, any good team can play a bad game, right? We've gone mm-hmm. over there and seen good Oklahoma State sure. teams play a bad game, uh, you know, a, a, a Central Michigan, for example, right. something like that. I think why why people are concerned and what I'm concerned with is the fact that Saturday night we looked like not like a a, a team playing a a bad game we looked like a bad team and yeah. and that's that's worrisome. Yeah, for sure. And a team um, not willing to make very many adjustments. I think that was one of my main frustrations. I thought um, we did a better job of that in Arizona to make adjustments, um, throughout the game. And you're right. The game was never competitive, um, from the jump all the way to the fourth quarter. Um, I was really disappointed in the, um, coaching staff strategically not making any adjustments. Um, it didn't feel the, I didn't feel like we were competing as, as, um, we normally do or should. Um, I think why, you know, you're talking about fans wanting to jump off a cliff after one game. And I think why, while I'm standing on the cliff as a fan is not just for this one game, but because we've done this song and dance before, you know, back in 2011, we were at the, you know, at the cusp of, of playing with the big boys and playing for big championships and watching um, the top 25 countdown and, you know, talking about playoffs and such, um, and then just a couple years later, you know, we're so far away from, from that cusp again. And then I just feel like history is repeating itself because we were playing in the Fiesta Bowl beating, you know, nationally known Notre Dame team. And I felt like we were there again, at like, we're finally 
at the level where we can, you know, Pete compete with the big boys and compete for championships. And just this many years later, here we are again, losing to South Alabama. So I think that's my main frustration um, or big frustration just about, I think Saturday is the result of, of us not taking um, Oklahoma state football serious enough or being competitive enough to compete with the, you know, Alabama's of the world. Well, I, I certainly think that, you know, when you, when you have years like, like we had in 2011 and, and like we had in, in, um, you know, in 2021, it, it raises the expectation right. of your fan base. I mean, we're a, we're right. a bad, we're a bad uh, call on a, on a field goal at Iowa state from playing for a national title. And I think, right. I think your Cowboys absolutely could have won one uh, that year. And I, I think that's that's good uh, for us to think about because I think there are a certain number of Oklahoma State fans and maybe, you know, administrators, coaches, I don't know. Uh, I think there are people that don't think Oklahoma State can ever win at that level. Right. And, yes. And that's frustrating to me right. because we've been so very close to that level right. in recent history and in those two particular years. And 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 you're right that you know in 11 and and 22 we're we're on the the cusp of uh, I'm I'm sorry 11 and 21 mm-hmm. we're on the cusp of of you know being right there and and right. playing for you know national title uh you know being a national title contender and you would want to see your team continue to to take uh, steps in a positive direction and. In both years, you know, we, we we took a step back. Now, 2011 to 12 wasn't as bad. Uh, you know, we went 12 and one and 11, and then and then eight and five in in 2012. Um, you know, 21 was uh, a lot a lot worse. You know, right. went from 12 and two to to seven and six, and it was the kind of the way you went seven and six, right? right? Losing five out of your last six games, and now one out of your first three. Well, I, I mean, it is what it is. The, Cow- the Cowboys are, are nine and seven since that Fiesta Bowl win, yeah. and it's not just the wins and losses, but it's it's some other things that concern you, right? It's the fact that since then we've had opportunity for for the impact and effects of the portal yeah. and NIL, NIL to come to come into to play, and I think that's changed the game from the way Oklahoma state has traditionally approached it. I mean, coach Gundy and his staff have done a great job over the the last 15 years of going out and identifying um, players that maybe were flying a little bit under the radar and bringing them in. If they were, you know, whether they were three-star guys or even two-star guys, they've done a great job of evaluating talent and they've done a great job of developing talent. I think Rob Glass, you know, gets tons and tons of credit for that. He he'll take guys and and reshape their their body and make them bigger, stronger and faster. And and then by the time they're fourth year juniors and fifth year seniors, they're some playing dudes and oftentimes Mm -hmm. are outplaying the the four and five star guy that got signed by, um, you know, OU or Texas that maybe had never had to work hard in his career. And, and got to college and and didn't make any additional strides, didn't get any better, and got bypassed 
by some of these guys that, you know, were out working him. Well, now in, in today's time with the portal and with NIL, you, you don't have the luxury of taking that guy right. and, and holding him hostage. You so don't to have speak, the time. And, and, and getting all five years out of him. If, if, you know, if he does develop, if he kind of burst on the scene a little bit as a, as a sophomore uh, or, or a junior, you know, you may not, you may not get his best year. He may move on. And so I think right. that's going to put more of a premium on, on recruiting to begin with and maybe require us to, to chase some higher caliber recruits to begin with, um, which is going to be a, a, a different approach from, for, uh, for us in terms of recruiting. And then we're going to have to do a really good job of, of robbing people off of the portal um, where we can, you know, and maybe for us, that's not, you know, that's not, you're not going to necessarily go steal some kid from, from Texas or Georgia or Alabama, but uh, I don't know. It looked like to me, there were a couple of guys at South Alabama that could probably find their way onto the, onto the for field for us. Sure. Yeah. I think what scares me about the two points that you just made about the NIL and the transfer portal is I don't, I think that has completely changed the game of collegiate football and I don't think we've changed along with it. So um, I think that would have to be a strategy change for our um, administration, which makes me a little apprehensive because we haven't done that. Maybe we needed to go get our butts whipped um, by South Alabama for for that to see the light, um, for that weakness to shine through. But I think we're going to have to have a different approach um, to those two things for sure uh, moving forward. Well, I, I think that's I think that's fair for sure to say that, that the approach is going to have to be be better. And I think that game this past Saturday um, highlighted that fact. I mean, certainly, and 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 our own our own coaches have said it right. They said we got out coached, which means you got out schemed and right. and out uh, you know out ex ex and owed. And that mm-hmm. certainly was true. I I thought the more concerning thing about the game Saturday was. I thought that that South Alabama looked as athletic or or more athletic more. than we did, yeah. and and that's really you know that that's really troubling. I mean, you're talking about a, a you know they're they're an experienced team and and they're a good team. And they're going to win a whole bunch of games in their conference, but they still are a, a Sun Belt team. And historically, you know, Oklahoma State's going to roll out enough athletes when they're playing a South Alabama that even if um, even if they don't play well, um, they're going to, they're going to find a way to win the game. Right. Or if there is one of those unusual non power five losses, it's going to be a close loss. Right. This, this wasn't that. No, there was no untimed down in this game, um, that came all the way down no. to the fourth quarter. I thought, or even, that... a, or even a game where you played sloppy, you know, and you turned it right. over uh, 150 times or anything like that. I mean, the Cowboys played relative. I mean, we had the muff punt. And outside of that, I don't think we had another another turnover. So, um, no. that's, I mean, you that's do have the, you got the big concerning. you got the big drop from from Bray at the beginning of the game, yeah. which, I mean, nobody will ever know if that that would have changed the whole dynamic or not. I mean, you might South Alabama might have went ahead and sat down for the rest of the game. Who knows? Um, but not a, you know, not a, you're right. Not a ton of turnovers, too many penalties, but other than that, you know, not a terribly sloppy game, just, um, slow moving, not very, we didn't, we didn't seem very interested, I guess. And I understand the players are, are all competitive, you know, and want to win. And I, I understand that, but it just felt like, 
um, felt like we never got off the bus and, and getting more into the specifics of Saturday, you know, we're still dealing with this three headed monster. That is our three quarterback system that apparently we're having to be married to early on in the season. Um, and I think I sent you this article pops, but, um, South Alabama saw that as a positive, um, for, for them going into game planning for Saturday and, um, flat out said that they exploited that they had, you know, three quarterbacks with three different weaknesses and, and knew they could get the job done, um, defensively with such. So I hope that changes the strategy moving forward. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw a couple of things out of out of the South Alabama camp. I saw the fact that they thought the uh, the three quarterbacks were to their advantage, and I also mm-hmm. saw uh, a quote I think from one of their players that where he said, you know, he felt they felt like in the second quarter when they were seeing uh, the plays being run that their coaches told them were going to be uh, run, yep. and that they felt like they were seeing them in slow motion. Slow motion. Um, that's obviously you know, those are, those are things that are, are very flag. concerning red flags for sure. And, you know, at, at, on the three quarterback system, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not in practice. I, I have to take the coaches at, at their word. If they say that the three kids have competed exactly equally, that's difficult to, to believe uh, that they have, that, that there, you would have a, a, a three horse dead heat, but uh, but okay, I'll, I'll take them. I'll take them at their word, and and on that basis, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay alternating them a little bit in the non-con, uh, but not to the not to the point where it gets you beat. And and I'm right. not saying I'm not saying that that in 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 and of itself is what got us beat. I it's not like any one of those three of those no. kids went out there and, and laid an egg, no. and, and they haven't they haven't throughout the first three games. Right. They've all played they've all played fine. Um, the, the problem is you need better than fine. Right. And I, I think if a three headed quarterback system, um, I think if that was really the way to, to go about college football, I think we'd see more examples of it throughout history than what we've seen. I'm not aware of anybody that's ever played three quarterbacks, uh, you know, an equal number of snaps and, and had a lot of success. You, you will occasionally see teams play two quarterbacks, but when you do, it's it's normally what it's it's um, you know Mason Rudolph, J.W. Walsh. It's totally it's different, two yeah. yeah. Two different strengths, right? So uh, I, I you know I don't I I don't think it's I don't think it's sustainable. I, I think we I think we said that on this podcast, you know, the first yeah. couple of weeks, it, it, you know, okay, we got away with it week one. Okay, we got away with it week two, but. But how long that can you continue to do it? I, I think Shelb, the biggest problem I have with it is, is you need your quarterback to be a, a leader on your team. Doesn't have to be the best player on your team. Yep. But your quarterback's got to be a leader. And Zero I leadership don't know, on Saturday from from anybody. Well, I, I don't know how you would expect the other ten guys in the huddle to to look at any one of those guys and say. Okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you're my leader. I'm ready to go to war with you. I, I think we've kind of forced them to look at the quarterback and, and say, "Nah, you're a third of a quarterback." You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, that that's just a, it's a, it's a tough situation to put those kids, the quarterbacks themselves For in. Sure, uh, it's tough to ask, you know, uh, any one of the three of them to go out there and 
and really call the ball, so to speak, and, and be slapping everybody on the, the backside and, and, and directing traffic and telling them what to do and running it like it's their team when it's not really their right. team. I, I mean, it, you know, it is to an extent, obviously, but there's, there's some pretty, uh, some pretty blatant uh, parameters that have been put on it. And I just, I think it keeps, I think it keeps any one of the three of them from getting into a, a rhythm of any kind. Yep. I think it's keeping any one of the three of them from uh, developing and experiencing meaningful snaps. Um, right. You know, you're going to be playing a quarterback every week now as you go forward that's played more football than you have. And, well, and 1, I think that's a disadvantage. Yep. So well, and I, I won't pretend that I've played, you know, a snap of, of quarterback in my life. Um, but I do know just from having, you know, all the men in my life involved in collegiate football, um, I do know that it's a very, it, it's a very mentally tough, um, position. And I think even, I mean, you can forget about the actual snaps, um, and amount of snaps and quality snaps you're going to get when you're rotating with two other dudes. Um, but just the mental reality of, yeah, I've got the job a third of the time and these are my guys a third of the time. And, um, and it's not that I think. It's not, I, I can't even sit here and tell you who I think it should be or who's won the job or whatever. It's not even about that. It's just about picking a guy, sticking with him, calling him your dude, and trying to go, you know, win as many as you can the rest of the season. Yeah, I, um, I, I think that's right. I think that it is a different position to play mentally. And, and I would have to, I, you know, I don't have, uh, empirical data set in here that I can go back to and look at. But I, I think if we went back through uh, some prior press conferences and some quotes, I think we could find some some circumstances under which maybe somebody was calling for a different quarterback because we weren't getting a good quarterback sure. play at a particular time. And, and the response being, well, you know, you, you, you hate to do that uh, and and risk uh, damaging the psyche yep. of, of the starting quarterback. I, I think we've, I'm pretty sure we've taken that position in the past. And so I'm not sure how that, you know, can aligned really be this. Yeah, aligned with, with what we're doing now. I think this is, I think this is psychological, you know, torture to these guys. I, I really, I really do. I, even for, well, I mean, I was, I started to say even for the non-starter, how do you know who the non-starter yeah, is? But you don't. Yeah, uh, but I, I think that has to. I think that has to get resolved for for everybody's benefit. That still doesn't take away from the fact that this team's this team's problem isn't that we've had quarterbacks going out turning the ball over, throwing interceptions, right. fumbling, right. Uh, making bad reads. I, I I think the I think the interception uh, that that Bowman threw. You know, I've talked to some people who who seem to know who think the receiver ran the wrong route there. So I, I really, it's not a quarterback issue is unfortunately yeah. it's, it's a very fundamental issue of this team doesn't tackle particularly well. And this team doesn't block particularly well. No. And I'm pretty sure that those are the two most fundamental, uh, you know, principles in, in football, you got to do, you got to do those two things. Well, yeah. Kicking's and about, I, I, kicking's about the only other thing that you had left. Right. I don't, I don't know where, um, I'm hoping the coaching staff is watching the same, same games that I'm watching, but the, you can only handle, you know, the not blocking and the, you know, not tackling so long. And I, it's only going to get harder from here on out. And, um, 
that is an adjustment that will that will have to be made. I think we said this on the last podcast, but I'd maybe heard that we weren't um full tackling in practice and stuff. I which I know that's a double edged sword because you don't you want to keep your players safe and stuff. But I'm hoping that we've realized that we that is an area that we need to improve on. Yeah, I I think we have I think we have tackled a little bit better as the season has progressed and and you know oh, really? some of that probably reps, but not I mean certainly not haven't tackled great and uh we, you know we've probably focused most of our attention so far on on the offensive side which which is fair because uh you know we could go into this into some specific specific statistics but uh, you know say safe to say that Oklahoma State offensively is 90th or worst in in about every offensive category that that there is and that's that is absolutely concerning but defensively um you know I I was very skeptical of of the 335 I just it's for me it's more of an attitude than anything else I think um you know I think what we were doing under Jim Knowles was more of a a pressing, attacking, uh, aggressive style of defense. Yeah. I think the three-three-five, by definition, you know, you're playing a you're playing a, a three-safety shell in the back end. You're trying to kind of catch stuff underneath you. Um, I, I, it's not it's not that you're automatically saying, "Hey, come down here," you know, and we're going to give you a field goal. But it's it's a little bit of that kind of a design, uh, which if you're bre- very prolific on the offensive side of the ball and you're scoring points in the the 30s 40s and 50s right. you know routinely you might get away with some of that but um but it, it is a less aggressive style overall and, and so I wasn't excited about it didn't think it looked particularly good week one was much more happy uh week two because we didn't live in it exclusively we played some four-man front um we showed some some different blitz packages out of it uh, we brought guys to the line of scrimmage, you know, sometimes eight, nine guys within two yards of the, the line of scrimmage. You didn't know who was coming, didn't know who right. wasn't. I thought it looked like, again, and I I didn't go back and rewatch this one and won't because I just don't have that strong a stomach. But right. uh, but I, I, I felt like we were much more in the traditional yeah. uh, 3-3-5 look in this game. I didn't think we played as many of the of the games and, and, uh, the didn't run as many blitzes, didn't jump in four man as no, often. No pressure. And, and, and we got caught a couple of times, you know, it's not, it's designed to not give up a big play. Right. But we had a couple of situations Saturday where we end up with a safety, uh, gu- guarding a slot receiver and we don't run with them. And, and we got right. toasted for a couple of long ones It happened to us once out at Arizona state as well. Um, so that, that's a concern, to me, I mean, other teams are going to have seen this film and, and this is going to be a lot of people's blueprint, I'm sure, for how they attack us. So uh, I think if we're going to if we're going to use that as our base defense, we're going to have to mix it up much right, more like we did more. week two than, than week three. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed, too, just when the amount of um, I think that's what's sticky about this defense, too. If you don't, you know, do some blitzing and things like that and move some guys around. Um, it's so basic that you don't get any pressure um, on the the opposing team's offense. You know, when you've got when they've got six in the box and you've got three, it's really hard to do 
do much of anything um, to to really send them on their heels. Um, and it's just not very intimidating, you know, in my in my book. So, yeah, I would like to see us. I, I hope knowing that other teams have this film, maybe we will uh, defer from just that um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, cause I just don't, I don't think that it's exciting enough to do anything. And the other thing that I don't love about it, if we're not going to throw some different stuff in it is that our def, in my opinion, our defensive strategy or scheme, you kind of made this point doesn't match our offense, right? We're, we can't, we're not going to put up, you know, 30, 40, 50 points a game. So I don't know why we think we can play this very conservative defense that gets you or not very gets you a gets you a field goal or score every time, um, and hope hopefully a field goal. Um, I just don't think that that's gonna work. I think we're gonna have to come together as an offensive and defensive staff and say, hey, if we can't put up the points, we're gonna have to do something different defensively or vice versa because something's got to give. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. That it's not it's not really uh, complimentary football. Right. That, that term got popular a couple years ago, and this certainly isn't. And not not only in terms of of points, but really even in terms of uh, of field position. You know, we're struggling so much to to yeah. move the football that when we do get it, it's certainly going to be better if we get it. Uh, you know, with a short field, and and so that would to me that would dictate that we try to do some things defensively where we're, where we're giving people some negative plays and making them uh, play behind the chains, getting, getting some sacks or some tackles for losses. And um, again, if we're just going to play the, the, the straight base three, three, five, it's, it's tough to do that. You don't have enough guys up front to, to, you know, to stop the, the rush for, for losses. And you don't have enough guys typically, unless you're going to send a blitz to, to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback and get sacks. Yeah. Um, and not to mention, you know, I, while we're making all these, all these points and, and who's watching and other teams watching another point that I think is so uh, important to make about Saturday's performance is that, you know, every, every game day is an audition for the transfer portal and people in the transfer portal. And I think that's another reason why, I don't feel as dramatic saying Saturday's uh-oh was a really, really, really big uh-oh because anybody who's thinking about entering the portal, they ain't coming here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not – I think that's – I think audition is, is a great word, and we can use it in some other contexts too. I think you're – I think you are every week. You're you're putting your brand and your product out there, and, and guys are, are probably looking to say – Hey, if I can, if I'm going to take a step up, where would my offensive or defensive game fit in? Where's going to be fun to play? Where am I, you know, going to going to get to shine? And and you're right, game, games like Saturday aren't a good advertisement for that. You have the kind of the flip side of that too. You know, uh, there there's a concern to me when a guy who who's who was a pretty highly recruited kid like an Ollie Gordon when he has touched the ball right. a total of five times in the first half of the three games that we've played so far, I'm, I'm concerned. Does yeah. he start to look, you know, uh, does a guy like Zane Flores, uh, you know, does he start to to wonder if he's going to be in a, you know, a three quarterback system? Does right. he start to look that concerns me, but, but maybe Shelby, your word audition, it might have the most impact in this regard, which is, 
yeah, the 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 Pac-12 has kind of gone away. The you know SEC took OU, Texas. We've picked up schools in the uh, Big 12. The Big 10 has picked up some schools. But make no mistake about it, uh, the the morphing of college football is not over. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination. There, somewhere right now, today, this minute, there are high-powered people at ESPN and Fox and 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 the other big-time football college football tv partners that are sitting in a room deciding you know what kind of an nfl style coast to coast national playoff can we have how many teams should be involved in it and who should those teams be and there's going to be a lot of automatic places at the table right if you're texas and you graduate forty-five thousand people every year and you have more money than god um you're, you're going to be in it and it doesn't matter if you i mean texas could lose Every game they play in the next two years, they're still going to be in it. For teams like Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, we're we're auditioning, like you said, and and you know because there there's going to be a certain number of those schools that aren't maybe uh, uh, long term historical. You know, Oklahoma State football has been very very good for for 15 years. Um, but you know, over 150 years, right. uh, it hasn't made as big a mark. Same for, for Kansas state, Iowa state, places like that, but there's going to be room for some of us at the table, but it, it you know, it's not going to be, there's not going to be room maybe for, for everybody. And so it's a, a very poor time to not be nationally relevant. Uh, right. and you only get to be nationally relevant by winning most of your games. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably a, a it's a very scary thought for one, but it's also probably a situation where if you're not in on the jump, you're probably not getting in um, maybe maybe ever, maybe after a very, very long time. So I think um, I hope that our coaching staff and our athletic administration realizes that and how detrimental Saturday was. Um, so that we can can move forward and realizes how important it was. I think that's maybe some frustration I've had. You know, I know it's, I know it's those guys' job to put a, keep a straight face on and you know not not worry everybody or anything like that. Um, but I would like to know that I'm not alone in seeing some of these red flags um, and wanting everybody to realize it's not okay for us to be losing to. Um, south alabama yeah that's i mean that's the bottom line is it's it's that's not that's not acceptable um right you know there are certain and not teams to say that, that south alabama is not a good ball club i think no, they are no. i thought they were extreme they made us look super um like we, well, we better the bus, we better hope so. they're a good ball club right as bad right. as they beat us we better hope they're a good ball club but i did think arizona, no, you, you, arizona state was a good ball club and then they got rolled um, last week, I don't know if you saw their score, but um, we may maybe they weren't maybe we were just a little bit uh worse than we thought, but um, they got well, rolled you know, this, by this, Fresno State 29 zip, yeah. And this South Alabama team, uh, you got beat a couple weeks ago pretty pretty handily by Tulane, which again, I, I think I think Willie Galt is the head coach at Tulane, I think he's doing an outstanding job, but again, that's not a that's not a traditional powerhouse. Right type program so um there you know there's there's a lot to be concerned about based on on that performance saturday and a lot of stuff that needs correcting and and some of it is 
some of it's holdover problems that we've had for a while. And those are the ones you really worry about. I mean, we've, right. we've been talking about the offensive line for, for how many seasons uh, now, you know, it's uh, something, something. I'm tired, got, of, I'm tired of talking about it. We've been talking about it so long. Yeah. Something's got to change. We've either, we're either not recruiting, uh, we're either not recruiting the right kind of kid at that spot or or we're not coaching them up in the right way when we get them. I, yeah. I don't know which it is, but um, but I, I know this. I know when we watch the games, we're not getting guys blocked. And yeah. we, we've had the – in the past, we've been able to say, well, you know, we and we had been tremendously unlucky in terms of injuries at that position. Sure. But this year we've been uh, – Again, by the team's own account, we've been healthier than we've been in a number of seasons. And allegedly, we were deeper than we've been right. in a number of years at that uh, at, in, in the offensive line. And, and you just haven't seen any sign of it. Yeah, no, it's not. If that's the case, it's not showing at all. Um, and, you know, that it, I know it takes 11 guys and I know that we're not uh, – we're not getting the job done up front for the, for the others to, to do much of anything or have enough time. Um, so I think I listened to Dave Hunziker at the end of the game, um, last Saturday and his words of advice were, um, that everybody has just got to be better. And I completely agree with that. I think from the players to the staff to, I think everybody just needs um to be to be better. I think the standard needs to be higher and um we're gonna have our hands full in Ames on Saturday um with a ISU team that's gonna coming off a loss um to your boy coach Albin. Um so I think they're gonna be pretty ticked off and ready to play hard and man, I hope we are too. Yeah, I mean, they're not uh, – I don't think Iowa State's a, a tremendously talented football team. They kind of got decimated a little bit by that uh, gambling scandal uh, that broke kind of right before sure. the season. It cost Oklahoma State uh, uh, that Arlen Bruce kid that had transferred yep. in from the University of Iowa. But Iowa State lost more players than than Iowa did, and including their returning starting quarterback. And and so they're, you know, they're playing with a little bit of a short deck, but – Again, based based on how Oklahoma State has performed so far, and and honestly, not even in the just in this loss, but the first couple of wins weren't overly impressive. Right. There's there's plenty to be worried about, uh, you know, going up there to Ames, and that's not always been a place that's treated us great anyway. No, it always they always seem to be our uh, Achilles heel, if you will. So uh, we're gonna have to come come ready to play and ready to win um we need to get off the bus and, and be competitive from the jump and stay competitive and make adjustments that need to be made um i know it's uh a tough week to be an osu fan um however the game's at 3 p.m if you can make the um iowa state trip dad you went to Ames a couple of times i think you've always enjoyed yourself um so if you can make the trip make yeah. the trip um good, good we'll go. be... people are friendly yeah, people are good people. Um, we'll be watching it at our house so that we can talk about it next week with you guys. Um, Dad, you got anything else? Well, no. I mean, hopefully, just just better. We're all hoping for better days ahead. I, I was I was thrilled to, to see a, a, as many people in the stand Saturday. I think that's maybe the best crowd for a uh, for what was not a a, a big bill. 
um, non-con opponent. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was there were very few empty seats in the stadium. I'm, I'm sick that that we didn't get to see a better performance. Uh, yeah. Hope people will continue to to come back and um, you know and support the team. Uh, again, that's that's really you know sometimes it's a little bit of a chicken or egg deal, but. I don't think I don't think we can always sit back as fans and wait for the you know wait for the team to entertain us and then show up. You know we yeah. we sometimes need to come help them get the job done. So that's always been my attitude anyway, and I, I know that's yours too. And I, I yeah. hope people will will uh, continue to support the the team. You know even if we do have to go through a little bit of a rough patch here. Yeah, fortunately or unfortunately, however you see it, the term is loyal and true. So that's what we will be. Um, we might be and irritated loyal and true but we'll be loyal and we, true. we can be loyal and true and and upset all at the same time and that's fine i i have no problem and that's with, multitasking that's right people can show up and 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 holler for those kids and then uh go go monday morning and and you know dog cuss whatever they want to dog cuss at the water cooler that's that's fine okay. yep Name of the game. All right. Well, um, your folks will take on ISU in Ames at 3 p.m. this Saturday. Um, hoping for a dub and uh, for the OSU Cowboys to get the job done. Um, that's it for Orange Power Half Hour. We'll see you next week. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes.